Welcome to this special Uptime Edition during Thanksgiving week. And Phil, Joel, and I uh, are going to reminisce about the, the past nine months and what's been happening, or 10 months, 11 months, however long it's been. I guess we've been looking at it 11 months, going at what's been happening in wind. I think there's been a number of changes over the last six weeks that will have implications over the next couple of years. And I know, Phil, we've been all going back and forth <laughs> about where offshore wind is headed. I want to I kick off first by looking back on onshore wind. And let's say something positive here about what has been happening on onshore wind. There has been really good things happening on onshore. Well, we're poised at this point of the year, we're poised to see um, a, uh, an, potentially a new installation record um, in the United States this year. Still to be determined whether or not, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get there by the end of December. But um, I think the certainty that has been provided by this extension of the production tax credit through the uh, Inflation Reduction Act has, has helped. Um, the investment tax credit as well. And I think it's it's provided uh, a lot of people, even though they, they haven't released the full IRS guidance and everything yet, I think it's provided a lot of people some, some certainty. Uh, I think you're going to see floodgates open when they do finally release this IRS guidance. Um, but based on what everybody's kind of anticipating, there's been, you know, a lot of uh, companies kind of getting back to business. I mean, if you remember this time last year, uh, we were talking about how GE was going to shut down the factory and, you know, everybody was financially insolvent and, you know, I mean, it was just terrible. And and now, you know, things are actually on an upward trajectory. Uh, so I think we're, you know, as an industry getting back to business and, you know, there's talk of new factories in the United States. Uh, the super secret Danish project in Colorado. Economic... Uh, Advisory Council or whatever, um, you know, announced uh, that their their LM was was basically a contender for a for a factory potentially there. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm optimistic about uh, onshore wind. I'm actually surprisingly, I'm actually optimistic about offshore wind because I think we've now at this point suffered through the last five months of nonsense, and you know, we actually have like something good on on the horizon. There's a couple of trends that I want to touch on if we're just talking about trends and things that have happened in the last year. One of them has been the large sums of capital changing hands. So a lot of like Duke Energy with their big sale of assets and you saw some Algonquin and Liberty Power and some of these other ones and I think it was Con Ed got bought up and like a lot of uh, money being changed hands and the reason that that money's changing hands is because companies are basically di divesting from older assets selling them the uh, older they have a good track record. They're moving. They're 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 grooving. Well, you know, and taking that capital and using it for reinvestment. So whether it's building solar, or building renewables, you know, looking at some hydrogen projects. There's a lot of moving and grooving going on. A lot of um, you know corporate mergers and acquisitions with these pro these producing assets, and that capital is being basically reused in the market to build more wind farms and uh, more renewable generation. So that's a trend I think is positive, and I'm I'm happy to see that happen. Another one that I'd like to just kind of touch on is 
we talk about it a lot the 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 tech problem in the united states and 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 i'm and i'm very happy to hear the last few weeks i know alan and i have been talking with quite a few isps and without being prompted for it a lot of them are talking about what they are doing to try to help solve the tech problem so while everybody will say yes we have one we have a tech problem and of course as as a company people want to hire the the um the trained and the, the you know the experienced people, the experienced uh, wind technicians or solar technicians or whoever that may be out there, but there's a lot of companies that realize that's a problem that we can't just cannibalize each company back and forth, and we need to add some some new basically uh, powder to the mix, right? We need to be training more people, have that that military transition idea to get more some some of our uh, servicemen and women. Once they leave active duty um, into the workforce, so a lot of a lot of companies that we've been talking to on the side and are like you know little innovation pieces and stuff like that on Thursday episodes have been talking about what they are all individually doing to try to solve that technician problem. So it's nice to hear. Well, and sticking with the onshore theme for a minute, you know, our business WeatherGuard Lightning Tech is a small business, and we talk to a lot of other small businesses in wind, mostly outside the United States, a couple in some in Canada, right, and our friends up north. And I think in general, one of the things I think has been positive and sort of thankful for is a lot of those businesses have made it through the year. That early on, the beginning of this year, the first quarter of this year was a little rough for many of them. And they seem to have weathered the storm. Now, we, we lost some of, of the good ones, right? We lost Rope Robotics, which was pretty sad, actually. But everybody seems to be getting back on their feet, thank goodness. Uh, but some of the other players that were teetering seem to have weathered it. And there's a lot of good technology out there, right? Uh, we saw the merger of Ping and Eologix. That was a good sign for the marketplace. We saw, uh, you know, Arones really go after it this year and, and has been doing really some fa fantastic work on robot designs. Those are all small businesses. Maybe Arones wouldn't consider a small business anymore because they've grown so much, but there's still a lot of small ISPs out there. And I think that they're getting their act together and, and, and have weathered the worst part of it. I agree with Phil. There's some good upside news that is going to happen. I think once the taxes have all been figured out in the United States, you're going to see more uh, repowering happening. You're going to see more new development, particularly in the Midwest, uh, maybe in places like where Joel is up in Wisconsin. That would be nice to see. Uh, and we're going to see some transmission build out. So the small companies that really depend on the infrastructure of onshore wind to to grow and to develop uh, are, are following, right? So they're they're benefiting from some of the things that are happening, and it's not just the United States. I know we're all based in the United States, but I see the same thing in Europe too. There's good stuff happening in Europe at the moment. There's good things happening in Brazil. Our friends at Earthwind have done a tremendous job over the last twelve months and are growing substantially. And those are really great things to see. So I, I always look at the health of an industry by looking at who, who the small players are that live sort of month to month to see how they're doing. Gives you a better sign of where the industry is headed. And I think there's a good signs for you know the remainder of 23 and looking into 24. So let's talk about some things we're thankful for. And we can kind of go around the room and, and highlight them. I, I'll lead off. Uh, I am really thankful for some of the partnerships we developed over the last nine, 10, 11 months. Uh, we have traveled uh, all over Europe, it seems like. 
And we've been all over the United States. We were in Canada recently. We're going to be heading back to Europe by the end of the year. And uh, we have met so many great people in WIND. And we built a lot of great relationships uh, through those connections and expanded our sort of our sphere of uh, what countries we're touching and, and where we have some, uh, we're able to give some advice. You know, we're a lightning protection company and our, our thoughts are in demand because lightning is a big problem in, in the world. And, you know, I'm really thankful if some of those people have been willing to open the doors to us and welcome us in because we're Americans, we're outsiders, we know it, right? We, we do not fit the, the, the Danish norm in a, in a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I know we've been really appreciative of that. And I, I do think the other thing too, you know, we've, uh, in, in terms of uh, the podcast and what things have happened here, we've had so many good guests on. And I know we do take some time, we, we take time out of their schedule to sit down with us and to talk about what's happening in their world and to give us some insight. And a lot of things you hear, obviously, on the podcast were some things that happened behind the scenes that we learned a little bit what's happening in the world that maybe the world hasn't, you know, doesn't have a view on directly. So uh, we've, I'm really thankful for that because it, it really is an education for, for me, uh, is being relatively new to this industry, and I've been in it about 10 years, there's things I'm learning all the time, the nuances. <laughs> and Phil's been really good in giving me insight. Joel, you've given me a tremendous amount of insight. Rosemary um, <laughs> just bonks me on the back of the head once in a while and says, hey, this is how it works. Those are really interesting and, and good experience. You know, They're sort of painful at the time <laughs> when, when it happens. But uh, I do think um, we as a company and uh, hopefully our listeners have, have, have learned a lot over the last couple of months. It's, and it, I will say uh, one thing about the people who have come on the podcast, man, they are bringing such a wealth of knowledge. It is when people contact us, it's, and, and Joel, you know, we've been to a lot of trade shows and people come up to us, right, Joel? And they'll say, when they want to take selfies, which is a little weird. I'm not used to that still. Maybe maybe Joel is. But the, the thing they'll say is like, you guys changed my life. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not here to change anybody's life. That's not what this podcast is about. But a lot of uh, young engineers have, have, have changed their pathway into wind and renewable industry because we have offered them a view into what is happening at the sort of the lower levels there. These are what the companies are doing. This is where the industry is headed. Uh, they, it's really hard to get that information. I think if we can be a conduit for that, that's great. But you know, I'm not responsible for your decision to enter renewable energy. That's on that's on yourself because uh, we know how hard it can be, right, Joel? Absolutely. And you know, say to piggyback on that as well, Alan, we talk about having guests on. So not only do we have these these kind of conversations with our our team here, with Phil and Rosemary, Alan, and I, Claire, of course, in the background that you can't see usually, we have amazing conversations off air with the get with our guests the the amount of things that are sh the shared and the opinions and the thoughts and when you kind of can just sit around like a couple people sitting around a table just just bs and the the amount of knowledge that's shared and some of the things like alan said you hear on the program come right from you know i would recount like when we were in canada we were sitting around a booth just randomly having a conversation with uh, some some really smart developers and and engineers within the space, and they brought a new thought to my eye. We, you know, I was talking about technicians. Oh, we don't have enough capacity to train wind energy technicians. 
We don't have enough capacity. You know, there's not enough community colleges getting people in and this. And then, and the gentleman that was sitting with us said, you know, I would like to see more people that have a broader sense of, of training. Like maybe they're trained like a millwright or they're, they have an electrical background or they, they have, uh, they can weld something like that. That skill gets them in the door, but that skill then doesn't pigeonhole them into being a wind turbine technician the rest of their life. So you've now, you now have a person that's a little bit more rounded, that has a little bit more training. And if they want to move on from the wind industry to do something else, they have a, built a set of skills around what they can do to jump into a different industry and stuff. And it's like, man, that's a good way to look at the, the technician problem that we have is we just need to grab people from a broader, a broader background with broader sets of skills, pair them together. And then we're not so specifically horse blindered into we need wind turbine technicians. We just need good mechanically inclined people. And that discussion really came out of some of the talk we've been having on the podcast. And even, Joel, when you gave the description of how you should employ technicians year-round, uh, that was a really good episode. I, I thought that was fantastic. And we've heard a lot of comments back from that. And that's a good place to be, right? I'm really thankful for the comments we received back on that and, and how that approach could work. I mean, we were, there's, there could be some improvements on it. And the industry is actually talking about that. Uh, that uh, those ideas get bounced around and they don't just die, right? Because we do need some of those things. And I think the wind industry in particular, unlike some of the other industries that I'm familiar with, is very open to change. It's very open to making itself better. It's a young industry. It's not super mature. Yeah. Right. And Phil and I both work in a mature industry. We, we both work in aerospace for a while. I still kind of do. Uh, it's a very mature industry and it's not really open to ideas because things work and they don't want to change it. Uh, but in wind, there's still a lot to happen here. And I'll tell you what, Alan, looking forward into 2024, uh, I see a lot of potential innovation in things like material science and still more work to be done on kind of data science application, if you will. So leveraging information, SCADA data, CMS data, et cetera, to actually improve performance. I, not everybody's kind of drinking that Kool-Aid, so to speak, yet. Um, and I think it's starting to happen, though, that companies are starting to get the picture like, hey, you know what? Our, our operations and maintenance cost doesn't have to be as high as it is. Not only is there benchmarking data out there now, um, and, you know, we've seen prices tend to, to kind of increase, and a lot of it's being driven by OEMs getting very expensive long-term service contracts to try and make up for, um, you know, some lost margin. But in reality, you know, the independent service providers that are out there, I'm thankful for them because they have actually provided a service where they're taking over assets that might be 10, 15, whatever years old. And, you know, normally especially in the United States, and it's part of it's because of the production tax credit. But, you know, any piece of industrial equipment, as it ages, you're going to see a drop off in its performance. It's just inevitable that things wear out. Um, but independent service providers oftentimes get involved on projects where they prevent the thing from seeing a, a more precipitous drop. You know, the asset might Without the ISP being involved, if you went to a self-perform and maybe the asset owner or operator doesn't really have the resources or even care to invest in maintaining that asset, you're going to see a precipitous drop-off in, in performance. 
um, particularly after 10 years. Um, again, a lot of that's driven by production tax credit, but um, you know, we're we're in a position now where independent service providers have taken over a lot of projects and helped sustain the the asset and helped sustain the profitability of of a lot of those assets by ensuring that the thing keeps, you know, the turbines keep spinning and the thing keeps producing revenue for the asset owner, even absent the the production tax credit after the first 10 years of the, the life. So, you know, if you're not going to repower, you need to talk to somebody competent and there's plenty of folks out there who are, but you need to talk to somebody competent about how to get involved in helping to, you know, maintain your spare parts inventory, how to actually service the, the turbines. They've got experience in, well, you know, the manufacturer says that you've got to do this, that, and the other once a year. Well, based on experience, maybe we need to inspect, um, you know, every six months or even more frequently for, for certain makes and models of, of products. You know, this is, this is that kind of knowledge base and experience base that a lot of companies have that they're able to be, to, to bring to the table, but they've got to be engaged. You know, one thing that the wind industry is, in addition to being young and, and you know, uh, open to change, et cetera, we're also very cost averse, unfortunately. And it's because at the end of the day, you and I, as uh, electricity consumers, don't want to really pay more than what we already do. But it's also a quality thing. You know, you, it's kind of you get what you pay for. And just a little bit of investment in, you know, whether it's an ISP or, or whatever, any kind of maintenance is better than no maintenance, you know? So you've, you've got to make intelligent choices. And, and I think there's plenty of good people out there that, then, that can help. Well, Joel, I think, uh, you know, a lot has happened uh, over the, even the last two months, right? You've taken a new position with us, which we are super thankful for. And uh, we have seen a market increase in sales and productivity on our side just by having you join the company. So we're super thankful about that. And, you know, we we are, uh, if everybody doesn't know, I, I know we you seem like a, a big conglomerate, but we're just a handful of people uh, doing a lot of hard work day and night. And this podcast is one of those outlets where we get to talk about so that ins and outs of that business and the ins and outs of the industry, right? Uh, and I would say that, you know, having Joel involved with us has been a real bonus for us. Having Phil join the podcast on a more regular basis has been a really good bonus because he is so insightful in all the things in Intel store. And even though Rosemary is not here, uh, at the moment, we like having Rosemary here. She provides a lot of great engineering insight and opinion, very opinionated, which I like. Uh, and she, but she's super knowledgeable, right? And she keeps up on all the stuff that I don't have the time to keep up on, like uh, some of these crazy wind projects that are happening, or some of the solar things, or the electrolyzers, that, and the hydrogen, and the green hydrogen, and blue hydrogen. Yeah, you know, I think between the and having Claire as our producer, why? And I mean, that's just a miracle, quite honestly. Uh, between the the five of us, we've been able to pull off this podcast, and I will say, Joel, and you know. We have seen a rapid increase in the number of YouTube subscribers. We're up to like 275,000 subscribers on YouTube for this crazy little podcast. And we've crossed 200,000 plus downloads on the audio platforms. 
the number of people listening every week has really gone up a lot since we hit the <laughs> the the wind uh, conference tour this summer. Man, it's just been explosive levels of growth, and really, I. I'm one person. I can't do all this stuff. The, the, what makes this podcast interesting, in my opinion, is a variety of voices. Everybody comes in with a, with a certain expertise, but is willing to mix it up <laughs> and to, and to uh, go at it about the subjects that matter, right? And, and that's what makes us different. We're not talking about policy. And Phil, you know, right? I mean, we're not talking about policy every week. I just don't care what's happening at some conference where they're all flying in on the Gulf Streams. That's not my thing. Alan, just ask me about the Jones Act, though. Then I'll then I'll really go off on it. So, the, but the thing is, is that we are able to talk about hopefully more sort of ground level issues. What is impacting technicians and engineers and operators and the OEMs and 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 talk about what is happening in the industry, not what's happening at the government level. And uh, hopefully, that's where the podcast will remain uh, over the next year. Uh, I, I'm expecting to see more growth, and we're going to be traveling a lot. Our, Joel, you know, we're going to so many places over the next couple of months. Uh, it's going to be astounding. I'm not going to be home <laughs> for, for probably two or three months out of the year. We'll be talking about all that stuff on LinkedIn, too. So if you're wondering where we're going to be or, or anything like that, um, or if you're, you know what, if you're, if you listen to the podcast and you see like, hey, we're going to go to Amsterdam and you think there's something cool there that we should check out. Drop us a note on LinkedIn. Send us an email. We put our contact information all over everything we do. So LinkedIn, the WeatherGuard Lightning Tech website, which is weatherguardwind.com. We're, contact us through there. Uptime at wglightning.com. Uh, we're always looking for feedback from all these, from anybody that listens. Hey, you guys said something wrong here. You said something right here. Phil is the best dressed on the show. Whatever it may be. Send us some feedback. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing bad or things that we should include uh, and, and chat about uh, that, that are, you know, topics that the industry cares about, topics that technicians care about. Uh, we want to, you know, we do this podcast, not so much to, to be out there, but to provide a service for the industry, really. Yeah, we don't like listening to our own voices. We want to hear your voice uh, through us. That's what we want to do. And, and to, to put some discussion out there because it does move the industry forward. And we know that a lot of the companies we've had on the podcast have had a lot of feedback uh, that they've uh, brought in some new customers. They've connected with people they haven't been connected to before. That is the goal of the podcast. We don't sell anything on this podcast. Well, I guess we kind of market our WeatherGuard products, but we got to eat. Yeah, we got to eat a little bit, right? <laughs> Food is still important. But we're doing it as a service to the community. And maybe at some point we will start to advertise. Maybe we'll get big enough where, you know, that'll happen. But that's not today. And I do think um, our reach out into the world has been substantial. And I want to mention one more that comes to top of mind. PES Wind Magazine. All right. So everybody at PES Wind has been kind enough to let us write an article for their quarterly magazine. And to get that out into the world. So we have been doing that every quarter. And it's been a, actually a tremendous amount of work goes into those uh, articles. Uh, PES Wind, I appreciate everything they've done for us over the last several months. Uh, hopefully we've garnered them some more eyeballs to the magazine. Uh, and 
Uh, we have introduced a lot of people to some subject in lightning. They may not have heard it before, and they maybe got a little bit out of it, right? Uh, but I, I will say, working with PES Wind, they are phenomenal to work with. I, I've worked with other magazines in the past, and it's not been as smooth or as well done. And uh, that crew works really hard to produce that magazine. And I know if you've, if you've read it, you realize the effort that goes into it. So I, I do want to say a shout out to them and, and appreciate the partnership we've had with them over the last several months. It, it's, I think it's been tremendous. So we're nearing the end of the special Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving. That's maybe why Rosemary isn't here. Uh, but this, this end of the special episode of the Uptime Wind Energy podcast. And again, we want to thank all of the listeners and the YouTube watchers and the, uh, the people that are commenting on the LinkedIn posts and, and all the engagement from, from those out there that we're making the podcast for, that you guys are listening uh, and sharing the feedback. So thanks again. Guys, we'll be another year until we do an episode like this. And uh, we hope you're still listening at that point. <laughs>